I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Join us for a journey as we go back to the great civilizations of the past. Who were the people? What were they like? How did they begin? And how did they end? Let's find out on this episode of Fan of History. Hello, Dan. Hello, Bernie. I'm still waiting for those uh, stories about how great Duke Wen of Jin was, but we'll get back to him later. Maybe not in this episode. We will. We will. I wanted to mention the invention of latitude. Ah, give me some latitude, baby. The Assyrians uh, were mostly dependent on Babylonian science, but um, I found this interesting tidbit. Among the great mathematical inventions of the Assyrians were the division of the circle into 360 degrees. And they were among the first to invent longitude and latitude in geographical location. They also developed a sophisticated medical science, which greatly influenced medical science as far away as Greece. So once again, the Assyrians inventing things, like they invented the aqueducts, like they invented plumbing, the post office, the regular army, etc. They are still at it. This was uh, at some point in the 630s BC. Thank God they stayed around long enough to invent latitude. I wanted also to check in with some people that we don't have much information about for this period, but I wanted to check in with them so you know that they are still out there. For example, Carthage and the Etruscans. At this point, the Etruscans are a great civilization, by far the greatest in Italy, and they are taking to the sea. So now they are not only Greeks and uh, Phoenicians and Carthaginians on the sea, but they're also Etruscans. Mm-hmm. But Phoenician trade is everywhere, and the Etruscans are mainly localized around Italy and trade with Corsica, Sardinia, and Iberia. There were some trade between the Punic and Etruscan cities. Punic is 
something from Carthage, like the Punic Wars. Right. Uh, there were treaties with Etruscan cities, and you will find that when Rome becomes a real thing, it's an Etruscan city, and they will make an agreement with Carthage regarding trade. But of course, there's also piracy on the high seas, and you see a conflict growing on the Mediterranean. Nobody is powerful enough to do something about it yet. And the traffic, uh, the, the amount of merchant ships, etc., is not that great. But in the end, the Mediterranean will grow too small for so many powers. And the main conflict will be between Carthage and the Greeks. But not quite yet. So yeah. we'll check back with Carthage and Mediterranean trade and seafaring in upcoming episodes after this decade. We should hopefully we'll have some ap- actual episodes. Or, I mean, like events, right? That we could date. That's always a hard thing. We know that we know that Carthaginians and the Etruscans are doing stuff here, but there's not an event to date. It's hard to put it in a date, you know. And then one of well, these—they're all mainly in the sixth century BC. Oh, gotcha. And okay. Start to go down. Gotcha. For real. Gotcha. Yeah, we're going to find out in these six thirties too. There's a lot of new Greek colonies coming around in that area as well. So. Do you remember a small little place in the mountains called Urartu? I have heard of that. Led by Rusa II, who managed to reign between 680 BC and 639 BC. They have been busy. They've been busy avoiding uh, Assyrians, avoiding Assyrian spies, and fighting the Cimmerians. They have probably also been fighting the Scythians, Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about a bit later. But... uh, in 640, Rusa II sends an envoy to Ashurbanipal and he wants to make some sort of peace because he needs to focus on all the barbarians running around in his mountains. Yeah. But this envoy receives an enemy's welcome. There is no diplomatic immunity. Ashurbanipal's guys tears out this, this envoy's tongue and flay him alive. God. And not want to be an envoy. I guess that's a no. No. That tells you the diplomatic corps is a dangerous corps to be involved in if you're from Urartu. A year after that, in 639, Rusa II dies, leaving the throne of Urartu to his son, Sarduri III. And Sarduri III is only around for 639 to 635. Mm-hmm. Urartu's records go, they are very bad for this period. But we have two things about Sarduri III. Uh, a later king, Argishti II, left a record of 14 years of his reign. But his reign seems to be only four years, Sarduri III's. Yeah, it gets confusing, I know. There is, uh, on the walls of chambers, hewn in the Rock of Van, the capital. Yeah. And there are, Sarduri III victors are inscribed on the monument, erected on a spot called the Treasure Gate in Van. Hmm. We know that the Russians have trouble with uh, the money, which is probably the Manians. Yeah, for sure. Around Lake Ermia. But their record of victories inscribed further north as well from this time. And we have this, um, this interesting event from 636. Hmm. What is it? A Cimmerian king called Dugdame. Oh, of course. Remember Dugdame? That's King Doug. Yes. Doug the Barbarian. <laughs> yeah. He's defeated at the Cilician Gates. Yeah. And at the same time, Ashurbanipal defeats the Elamites. Right. Or the, the, some sort of remnant from Elam. So uh, 
Sadurian Third thinks that this is oh a great moment to um, to send new envoys to congratulate uh, Ashurbanipal on his victory. Yeah, uh, you can imagine the the feeling of these envoys. Could you imagine? Four years ago, the envoy was flayed alive. Yeah. So this envoy arrives to Ashurbanipal, grasp his knees and uh, greet him from Sarduri III like a son to father. Right. Ashurbanipal gets flattered, show the envoys the great reliefs of, uh, that he has managed to produce of his battle success. Hmm. Uh, actually carved in the palace of Sennacherib at Nineveh. And uh, it, he also makes a relief of these two Urartian ambassadors. Yeah. One is younger and clean-shaven, one has a beard. And uh, Ashurbanipal taunts the envoys, says that they're double-dealing and shows them either Rusas or Sarduri's letters to the Elamites. Oh, <laughs> told you, man. They had them good intelligence. But then he laughs it off and says that Sarduri is forgiven because he gave Ashurbanipal help when it was needed. And now right. together they can keep the barbarians away. Finally, they're going to stop the, you know, the White Walkers from coming down from the north. But they haven't really stopped the Scythians, but I'll, I'll return to them later. Nothing else is known of Sarduri III. That was, you know, that, that you talk about, when you talk about those ambassadors, it's funny how they, you know, those, remember we said it's that a lot of times when you see the reliefs, it's other people that were involved in the palace would have known what it meant. Because remember in the reliefs showing the Battle of Ulai in Elam, they have that, you see those two, that's where you, that one where you see the two ambassadors. And then they're watching them flay some Elamites. <laughs> yep. And then that's the one where they had, that's the time when they had the guy's head over his, the other guy's neck too. And made them watch that. They had the, you know, they had the, they had the king. They had um, Tim Tuman's head around the other guy's neck. And the ambassadors were there for the whole thing. And uh, this seems to be sort of a high point of Urartu in these troubled times. Because if you look at the king's list of Urartu in 635 at the death of Sadru III, there is a headline called Decline. And then the source is, it, it's really hard to tell who is the king of Urartu after Sadru III. And there is, even the number of kings after him is hard to tell. But Urartu will survive the fall of the Assyrian Empire. So I ended up crediting a guy called Erimina, as being the king of Urartu between 635 and 629, and we know almost nothing about him. Hmm. And that's where we leave Urartu for the 630s. That's amazing that they say right on the thing, decline. I never heard of that before on a king's list or anything. But it's it's telling. Yeah, I would say. Decline. It's like that, I don't know if you recall, the Monty Python. You remember the Monty Python when they're in the cave and they're like, it says... To get in the ah, <laughs> they literally write decline. We don't know what else happens. <laughs> drums, drums from the deep. Yeah, we can't get out. It's it's. It, I feel that um, you know, the Assyrians. They say they made order out of chaos, but you know, here we have that thing where these people. Oh, we moved these people, and they didn't want to be moved, and they moved away. So I think they were trying to keep a lid on all this that they did, and. You're not too many generations gone, you know, like um, like in Sparta, you know, they had the helots, 
And, you know, after so many generations, they were just, yeah, whatever. You know, they were afraid. They didn't revolt that much. But, you know, one or two generations in, like the Assyrians had, you know, these people were, you know, their grandfather was still alive and said, we didn't used to have Assyrians making us do this. So they were constantly fighting. You must remember that the Assyrians have been getting away with this for almost 300 years. Yep. But they won't be getting away with it much longer. That's what happens in history, right? I mean, just think of like, you know, current superpowers. They think they could just do whatever they want, certain ones. Speaking of superpowers, let's not forget the Olmecs ruling in Mexico. They know of only one other civilization, and I don't think they credit that as a civilization. That's the Maya. So they're still hanging around in La Venta. They have their huge heads, statues that they love. They have built uh, a great pyramid. This pyramid is still 34 meters tall. Yeah. But uh, and you find a lot of offerings in La Venta with uh, showing off their wealth. And La Venta is still a ceremonial capital in which people don't actually live but only do really. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's just stuff that we don't understand. We can't read their writing. I think someday we're going to get there. We're going to find stuff out. I've been posting on the Facebook page a couple of things. They're using that, you know, the, how do you pronounce it? LIDAR, it's the radar from the sky that, you know, and they're finding a real lot of cool stuff there right now. Yes, but I think they're fi- finding Maya stuff. Oh, yeah, it's true. But I'm just saying they're going to find this other stuff, I hope. It is really cool stuff. Some 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 things are so different, and then some things are so similar, like, you know, just how they work with the gods a certain way. and I don't know. It's pretty interesting. We have this south of the Olmecs are a few tiny states. Most famous is the La Blanca Statelet uh, of the Maya. But it is, they find a lot of Maya things with ground radar now. Yeah. And it's, it seems that we need to rewrite the history of the Maya because they were much more urbanized than we have thought. Yeah. But these are later Maya and not the 630s BC Maya. 
they are hanging around in their small statelets and they are very much less civilized than the Olmecs. Right. Sort of morph into each other in some way, I guess. And of course, these statelet things are incredibly hard to date, but they seem to be around this time. They've started in about 1000 BC with, the, uh, with huge improvements in 900 BC. They're not like in a Bronze Age or an Iron Age, really, right? They're, they have obsidian and there's stone tools for the most part, right? Lots of obsidian. Yeah, yes. lots of obsidian. Uh, so uh, I wish I could tell you more about this, but uh, and if anybody knows more about the early Maya state, let us know. Yeah. I wanted to make sure we mention it because it will become important. I appreciate that. You keep in line. So where do we go now? Where do we go? Oh, before we go back to China, we're going to go to Greece. Oh, Greece. I left you all the Greek and Chinese stuff. So you, you are you, you are in charge of that. Yeah. Tell me something nice about Greece. Well, this goes back to what we said about Solon. It sort of, you know, it sort of has a, a connection. Solon was a baby still here, but he, he was um, nothing to do with this story. But there's this other guy. His name is Kylon. Now, it's... This confused me because it's spelled like Cylon. You'll see it spelled sort of like like the Cylon, like as in the big mean robots in the 1970s Battlestar Galactica or the good looking ones in 2004. <laughs> I might be wrong, but I think that if C is at the start of a word in Greek, it is pronounced K. C, well, it probably is. But when it, when Bernie sees it, it looks like a C. Like Bernie says it like, and it looks like a Cylon. I say Cylon, but now I'm going to make sure I say Kylon for this one. And so, so we must have talked about him in the 640s because he won the dial the dialis in uh, 640 at the Olympics. Yeah, and the Olympics, right? Nice. So I, I'm pretty sure even you said, "Way to go, Kylon!" <laughs> Not way to go, Kylon, because Kylon attempted a coup in 632 BC in Athens. But now, maybe it wasn't such a bad idea in a way because at the time Athens was not a democracy. They were just run by a group of rich, you know, they just had the rich people, the nobles, and they were kind of bastards. So um, at this time, people in Athens were literally being forced to sell themselves and their children into slavery and things like that because they were getting ripped off so bad. There was no laws, and it's just these families were the ones who decided everything. So like, for example, if there was a legal dispute between, if you're not the nobles, it, they would be settled it by whoever paid the noble judge the most, bribed them. So that's not a good system. If the aristocrats had a dispute, they just settled it with violence. Also not a good system. As we know in Greece, because there are all these colonies, right? Land was becoming scarce in Athens too, because of the population growth. And how do you think you got a new piece of land? Bribes. So that's another problem. So people were being forced to sell their families into slavery, or if they were a little bit luckier, there was a deal where they could move on to the estates of these rich people, and but they had to give one-sixth of whatever they produced to the landowner, and then you know the rest to pay their debts, and they, never, they were just basically in a debt trap. So they could never get out of there. So here comes Kylon. And we must remember this is uh, the age of the tyrants, right? That's right. It's the age of the tyrants. Perfect. And the tyrants are people ruling as dictators. That is correct. And this was a this was fashionable at this time because of stuff like this. Yeah. The Greek towns and cities were governed in all sorts of ways. And 
one strong leader who would be just and good is what everybody wanted. Right, like Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or Kylum. It's similar when you think about it, though. Like, you know, people in this country feel like they're getting ripped off by other, you know, and then somebody comes in as a, ah, but, you know, it's sort of not, you know, two wrongs don't necessarily make a right. So, yeah, you're right. It's about the tire, you know. So this guy, Theogenes, not Theogenes, it's spelled with an A. It's not the Theogenes philosopher and that kind. So it's the, this guy, Theogenes, he was a tyrant. Um, of Megara. Yes, he was the tyrant of Megara. And he came and to Athens and he met Kylon and he said, hey, there's a new thing called tyranny. And it's, you know, not like we, like we said today. Oh, you know, you're an evil tyrant. So he even offered his daughter to Kylon to, you know, to seal the deal. But Kylon wasn't sure. He eventually did mar- become, he did eventually marry the daughter. But so he wasn't sure. So he consulted. Guess where he went to check? Kylon. To the Oracle. That's right. <laughs> he went to the Oracle. And she told him to seize Athens during a festival of Zeus. So Kylon figured that meant the Olympics. He's an Olympian. He's popular. You know, this should go pretty well. But hey, the Olympics is a time of peace. I know. It didn't go so Kylon, well. bad manners. Bad manners. So they seized the Acropolis. They tried, but the coup was opposed. And they were, uh, they were, they took, so they were, you know, um, the, his, Kylon and his brother got, they hightailed it out of there. But his supporters were, they took refuge in Athena's cap, uh, I'm sorry, in the Acropolis in the Temple of Athena. So then, um, this story is in all the guys, you know, Thucydides, Plutarch, um, Herodotus, they all have different little versions of it. But the deal is, if you're hiding in the, temple if you're in the temple you will have protection of the god or the goddesses right so they um you can't not allow to kill somebody so but the these people uh, the judges and stuff said you know they talked him out of it they said you know come on out and we won't hurt you we won't kill you you can go to trial and we'll have a trial they didn't wait like months for a trial they were going to come down and have the trial so they weren't they didn't believe them they didn't believe the people they wouldn't get killed for sure so they tied a rope to athena's statue and they walked on their way to the to the, go to trial, but then the rope apparently broke. So then they killed them all. So uh, I think Herodotus says they were stoned, or one of them does. Plutarch maybe says they were stoned to death. Not with cannabis, like the rock. But we're not sure. So anyway, they were killed. But that wasn't a good thing to do either. So now there's a thing. there was a thing called the Kylonian Curse. The guy who killed him, his name was Megacles, right? And his, his clan was called the Alchemide. It's almost, it's almost like the Persian name. It's the Al, Al Kamadidae. So they become they're they're important later on, but they were exiled from the city for um, they're cursed with miasma, which means a stain or a pollution, and it's inherited all down the line. Okay. Further generations, and then somehow they you know eliminate the stain. But it's funny how some of these things from the six hundreds just like carry over for so long. You know, it's like, well, why are these guys bad? Well. One time this Kylon guy tried to, you know, overthrow a government, and then these guys, you know, uh, these other guys, you know, tied in a temple, and then these guys killed them. They weren't supposed to, so now we had to kick them out. But the Ar- Archons and the rich guys still control Athens. Now they do, yeah. That's come in now, so, birth of Solon. So Kylon did never succeed in becoming no. the tyrant. No, but they. I, it must have been the kind of thing where somebody opened somebody's eyes. And like I said, a messiah was born. 
Oh, Athens seems to need a tyrant. Yeah, but they didn't get one. They get a Solon. Well, they get... So coming up then, you'll get Draco. Remember the draconian rules? Yes. Yeah. So Draco is before Solon. Solon is just born. So now this is the time we're coming into. So they asked for laws, but they got draconian laws. Exactly. Nice. <laughs> More about that later. Oh, boy. Do you ever wonder if, like, in the future, though, like a thousand years from now, like, we'll have horrible things? Like, oh, they had all these, they were trying to do this stuff, but they got these horrible things. And, like, you know, <laughs> so we're working it out. We're working it out. Uh, do remember our Patreon. If you like this podcast, please contribute on patreon.com. Search for Fano History. And we are utterly grateful for all support we can get. Also, share this podcast with other people who want to hear about these ancient times. Please, please do. All right, I, th- I think we're going to be getting more and more information because we're, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the present, and it's, it's. Um, I think it's going to be great. I'm enjoying the heck out of it. So I appreciate your listeners uh, tuning in. Let's uh, continue next time. Yes, sir. I'll see you later, Dan. See you later, Bernie. If you enjoyed this podcast, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Patreon.com/fanofhistory. Just a dollar an episode would help us out. Thanks, and see you next time. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.